an independent journalist in China is no easy task, especially if wants to cover topics which Chinese government might dislike. In 2020, according to Amnesty, as a quote, foreign journalists face detention and expulsion as well as systematic delays due and refusals of visa renewals. Chinese and other tech firms operating outside China blocked what the government deemed politically sensitive content, extending its censorship standards internationally. As you can see, even foreign journalists are having a hard time. So what it's like for Chinese journalists living inside the borders? Welcome to the Missing Peace International Podcast. I'm your host Gabby, and today we have very special guest, journalists from China. Due to, due to their safety, the voice will be modified. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be on your show. Thank you. So from the get-go, I think many of our listeners are wondering, what experience do you have working as a journalist in China? Have you ever been a reporter for the official government-approved news organization or a newspaper? What was it like working there? Well, Gabby, I think this it's a good opportunity. And by the way, I want to say thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, truth to be told, as you mentioned before, let's start with a definition of being a journalist. If we look at international journalism today, and we and we can go back to the definition of being a journalist. The simply that means I'm able to use media or use outlets or functional outlets to report the facts and the truth to the world. So in other words, the 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 whole value of being this international journalism or be international journalist, it's really to inform the audience around the world regarding what is happening. Um, just period. Now, over the years, I would say the meaning of journalism has changed drastically, not only because the international relationship has shifted uh, 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 in this unpredictable way, but also with the increasing or with this fast development of social media right now, I want to say being a journalist in China today has a lot more difficulties. Now, the, the reason why I want to use the word difficulty and instead of using the word risk, it's because traditionally, if you look at the Chinese media outlets, the function is, again, being a journalist. And that means you're trying to inform the audience. But today, a lot more journalists besides reporting the facts or reporting the truth, it's very, very uh, attentive to share our personal opinions or try to justify the point um, in order to bring better results or even more convincing ideas to the public. So in other words, to wake up the audience. So the listeners or even the majority of the uh, citizens in China are no longer satisfied just to watch the news, but they're actually interested or they're more um, motivated to engage with what's happening today. And so, so that's why that's a big, big, big obstacle uh, to be a journalist in China. And the second thing is, we know that China is a communist country. 
And for decades, uh, since 1949 and to 2000, uh, uh, 2021, regardless how this nation changed, the fundamental ideology would never be eradicated and also would never be changed, period. So reporting the news from the government or even work for the news organization approved by the Chinese government, in my opinion, would be walking on the thin ice. Because even though the organization was founded by the Chinese government, or even the newspaper agency was um, built, you know, uh, was consolidated by the Chinese government, but that doesn't mean this person or this news agency have the sole authority to decide what to publish and what's not to publish. So that's why it's a very different to be a journalist in the country which democracy runs. And also it's very, very much um, different to be a, a journalist working and also living in China. It makes sense. I bet a lot of foreigners now have a perspective on what journalists are dealing with when working in China. Though, from what I read, China in 2021 has even stricter policies regarding news and what people can speak about, even online or in online forums. What topics are forbidden and might get you in trouble even as a citizen? Well, again, Gabby, that's a very interesting question. Now, I'm going to separate the concepts a little bit. Number one, as a citizen... You can and you shall have the freedom to express your opinions publicly. So in other words, you are welcomed to share your personal input regarding any international or domestic affairs because you're a citizen. As long as you don't uh, use the leaders, you know, the Chinese Communist Party or use the um, the president of China, you know, anyone in this higher official or um, higher monarchy, um, don't ridicule them or don't use their names as a jovial or entertaining way. As a citizen, you're welcome to do that. Because remember, in China, there is still freedom of speech, period. But as a journalist, there are some red lines that we should not cross. For example, the country as North Korea. We know that from the historical perspective, China and North Korea have been buddies or even have this son and father relationship since the founding of the two countries. But being a journalist, especially regarding the news of North Korea, it's highly taboo. So in other words, if you are working under this news agency or under this newspaper agency, any news regarding North Korea cannot be published easily. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying cannot be published easily only because you are not the news or you are not the designated news agency for the Communist Party. So in other words, news or informations regarding countries as uh, like North Korea is going to be rather sensitive for everyone. And that's one. And second one, country as the United States of America. And we know not too long ago, the Chinese representative 
flew all the way to America、um, in Alaska to meet the counterparts in America, and spend two or three days have this intensive political or Uh, what do you call the business type dialogue in order to soften the relationship between these two countries? To average citizens, this is a good news. So, which means the countries are reopened the dialogue. But for news from the news perspective, the only thing the only thing you see on the news is how shameful or how、um, how can I say the word is called. Loose, you know, and also how、um, how embarrassing the American side is. Now, as a as an international journalist, personally, this is not right because you can't. Well, I mean, news agency can become the mouthpiece for the government because again, if you call yourself a journalist, you're supposed to report the truth, tell the truth, present the fact, and you can't become the mouthpiece for the government. I see. Well, you mostly mentioned international news. Is it North Korea? Is it United States? But now I'm wondering, how、uh, aware are you, even as a journalist, as a person, what are happening in other Chinese regions? For example, not capital Beijing. For example, ethical minorities discrimination or even lack of necessities in some towns such as food. Does negative news in China ever get reported by Chinese government? Or is it overly positive, and people are discour- discouraged to ignore all the negative facts that are happening in their own country? Gabby, the questions are really challenging, but I'm gonna try my best to answer that. The answer, in a very simple way, is no. Never. You think about when, let's say, if you turn on the news. And you want to see how the government is doing or running the system in the country. The last thing you want to do is you want to see the negative, or you want to see this pessimistic side of the government because it shows vulnerability. So of course that you mentioned before, domestically, no country is perfect, and no country will ever to you know report the news twenty four seven to say. We are winning all the time, you know. We are doing so good. Well, we are actually helping people, and people are celebrating. You know, there's no two extremes. But in China, is when you turn on the news, everything is praising and complimenting the current leader at this moment. Because it's because remember, China is the is the country with a population of 1.4 billion people. And right now, given this condition that China is it's a rising star on this international stage, I don't believe this country and I don't believe the leader can afford to have any negativity come into the news and spreading out to the public. So, of course, the news as people who are suffering in this third or fourth tier cities, and there are still political struggles, you know, in terms of dealing with dissidents. And also, there are even worse issues with corruption, political、uh, corruption, or governmental officials and、uh, being jailed and etc. But anything that it only can be found behind the web, or only can be found behind the secret doors, 
all these things cannot be reported publicly or um uh yeah uh, uh or being displayed to the public through media or through domestic media channels because otherwise it's going to bring shame it's going to decredit the credibility of the government does that make sense it does it does make sense though i was wondering i think many of our listeners are a bit interested on how many channels does china have when they broadcast something does every single region have a different channel for news or does he have state news only and that's it because a lot of foreigners like me are really ignorant and do not know gabby if you study chinese history i don't mean to start from 1949 if you trace it all the way back we always say china has more than five thousands of years of history now, I, I don't want to go through every single period or, or every single dynasty that China went through, but just to answer your question today is there are 56 ethnic groups in China. And that does not include Hong Kong and Taiwan, in which these te two territories are still in this disputable uh, areas or regions. But anyway, to answer your question is there are multiple channels in China. And every single province or every single uh, uh, ethnic groups in China have the freedom to create your own channel. But every day, every night, from 7 o'clock p.m. until 8 o'clock p.m., there's only one channel that everyone watches, which is called CCTV. And you might have heard of it, which is the direct... Uh, um, speaking channel from the government to the people. And of course, on that news, it covers two main categories. One, domestic prosperity. And number two, international crisis. And when I say international crisis, that just means American crisis. Because it doesn't isolate, well, it doesn't report anything else. Remember, America is the enemy of China today. So again, we Chinese government is wise enough to use this outlet, use this media to publicly dehumanize American society and also American people. And also in order to build the credibility of the Chinese society and also build the uh, what we call the strength of China as a country. And it's 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 ironic that we love to use this communist country compared with capitalist system. I'm the person who always pay attention to the news. Trust me, I, I most of the time, if not busy, I will sit in front of TV and I will watch from seven o'clock until eight o'clock just to watch the content day by day, how they're similar, how they're different and how loud the voices can be from the Communist Party. Sometimes it's rather humorous to pay attention to the content. But one thing I do want to say is it's similar to watch how what we call the uh, um, authoritarian or totalitarianism, they are using the media. And, and, and if I may add upon is I was in North Korea a couple of years ago and I, I stayed in North Korea for a week. And there were TV surprisingly in hotels as well. And every night 
even though I didn't understand the language, despite the language barrier, but from the emotion of the of the news anchor and from the content of the news anchor, all I could tell is the North Korean leader Kim Jong Un was doing a fantastic job of leading the country or doing a a, a miraculous uh, a, a leadership role, you know, to elevate the pain or the suffering of North Korean people, which in reality we know is the opposite. So that's why I would say it's rather humorous to watch what the Chinese media outlets are doing. But meanwhile, it really challenged international journalism to think about what is going on or what is happening to the journalism today. That's really interesting. And I bet it puts uh, into the perspective what Chinese people are dealing with, even North Koreans, as you mentioned. Though, mm. as you mentioned, a true news, a true perspectives are found in the outskirts of the internet. So many foreigners as well hear that even your online presence and offline presence are being secretly watched by police, yes. so to speak. Is it true? Or have you ha ever had difficult situations or dangerous situations with the government regarding that? Well, Gabby, thank you for addressing this question because the answer is yes, yes, and oh, yes. It's very simple. Let me give you one example. I tried to create an online social media platform. And the purpose was very simple. To, re to gather the news internationally and to bring this fair and unbiased opinions to some of the critical matters. I remember one episode I had one of the uh, distinguished guests from America. And he shared with me regarding some of the critical issues between um, U.S. and China. And at that moment when Donald Trump was the president, and I thought it would be very interesting to bring this guest on my show and to talk about um, some of the, again, to address some of the advantages or disadvantages of the, the trade war between China and America, and of course, and also with the issue with the COVID-19. And the conversation I thought that went pretty well and it did. I was very proud I finished the interview and I was able to polish the uh, the um, the audio and also the video and with all the excitement I put the content online. Keep in mind I used one of the ch popular Chinese apps you know I would say it would be similar as uh, a Spotify you know, in English but it's a Chinese version of it. And I, of course, I begin to share among my friends and share with the listeners and hopefully that someone will be interested, ask questions or, you know, having this online social media engagement or interaction, you call it. But little did I know, a week later, I got a notification on this app. Again, the message directly from the government, I can tell because how you word it is to say, number one, they are going to take down the latest episode that I just put it up because it, I, it, I quote, violates the rights of the domestic media. And number two, it violates, I mean, this is just, I quote by translation, it violates the property rights of the media usage. I mean, again, when I read it, I don't really understand any of the words, but I just know that I did something wrong. 
And then the next day, so which means uh, a week, half later, my entire channel was banned online, period. So every single previous episode that I created was taken down by the government. And, and Gabby, I kid you not, when I saw this, I was speechless. Because I thought I was doing a favor to let people in China to be informed or to uh, be quote-unquote educated about international affairs. Again, I'm in no harm. I didn't mean to create anything to uh, prov provocative or challenging to the government. But it just means I am doing the job that I was supposed to do, or I was following my passion to do something, you know, in as a as an international journalist. But boy, was I wrong. And that was the closest call that I could get. And of course, I could share a lot more examples with, you know, um, I took my camera out in the in the public square and I tried to interview or I tried to ask people and I was harassed. And people try to take away my camera or, you know, I mean, there, were, there could be so many examples that happened to my journalistic career in China. It's interesting, but it's also very dangerous. So it's really nice that there are people that risk their lives, so to speak, even if it's a bit dramatic, perhaps, that they want still to provide Chinese audience with uh, opinions that they might found overseas and so on. Though I was wondering, I read a lot about how when people defy the government, even for the little things, they might disappear or their families get in trouble. And is it true or do they just go to jail or just uh, get a fine? Well, Gabby, you are international journalist and before answering this question let's i, I want to talk about one of the um yeah i want to use the one example a couple of days ago it was one of the special moment or it was one of the darkest periods of of the history in a in the in a world it was the holocaust of remembrance you know, I read so many books and I talked to a lot more people who really lived through that period when Adolf Hitler was the ruthless tater, a dictator in Germany. At that moment, people always say it was the most, the most threatening thing was not be punished physically by the Nazis. It was the crush of the spirit. And it was the dis random disappearance of the human bodies. Now, to answer your question, which one do you think is worse? To go to jail or to disappear randomly? I think, the, I think you might agree with me, Gabby, is the second one. So to answer your question is yes. Things are still happening today. A lot more dissidents that I spoke to or a lot more um, journalists that I encountered before disappearing is number one, like you said, it's rather encouraging that they have this unflinching spirit to report the facts despite the circumstances but it's rather saddening to see that these people were 
that just disappeared randomly and a couple days later, or maybe years later, if they're lucky enough to be found, that, you know, they were discovering as deceased people. So yes, it's happening. Because this is the way it is. Remember, we always say there's democracy in China. But based on my understanding is, there's no democracy in China. Democracy, I mean, democracy, the word, it's, um, it's a Greek word, if I'm not mistaken. And literal translation is people rule. That means democracy, people rule. But actually, the country today in 2021 is the opposite of what is happening and is the opposite of the definition. Yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And it puts things into the perspective. Now, one of the last questions I will ask, and if you want, you can not answer. China, even outside its borders, is making impact on international news outlets. In February 2021, World Health Organization investigators found that COVID-19 source might not come from Wuhan directly. Meanwhile, some people accused this organi organization of catering towards Chinese propaganda and being bought off. After all, back before pandemic started, January 14th last year, they tweeted this. Preliminary investigations conducted by the Chinese authorities have found no clear evidence of human-to-human -human transmission of the novel. So, what's your take on this? Is China controlling now news outlets as well of the international media and so on? Well, Gabby, this is this is really the question. Um, how can I say? I'm going to put into two different ways. Number one, as a Chinese national, I can testify and I can prove that COVID-19 came out China, period. Because we saw the news and we identified the symptoms and the illnesses straight out of China's cities. Again, I know a lot more people outside China, they would, they would use the word, you're a racist if you called it Wuhan virus or China virus. But again, as a journalist, as an international journalist over decades, I want to say this is the fact and this is the truth. And I'm sorry, that's the way it is. And again, there's a reason why we need to get to the bottom of this. And the second thing, let's talk about the WHO and China. WHO invited China to join way before 2012. And back then, Xi Jinping was not the Chinese leader. But after 2012, China successfully joined WHO and began to show initiatives or attitude and positive initiations and actions to build or trying to, uh, uh, to elevate the images internationally. But regarding the content or regarding the decision from WHO to say there's no um, clear evidence of human-to-human -human transmission of the coronavirus 
And I believe there's only thing I can explain. Again, I'm not the expert in medicine. I'm, I'm not the expert in pandemic. But only reason, based on my research, I can tell you is WHO cannot afford to lose China as one of the partners. Because given the condition of the population, given the condition of the fees, the membership fees that China pays annually and faithfully, and of course, giving the, the most obvious reason is the image of China and the international status of China today. So in other words, if you look at all the international news outlets, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, uh, Associate Press, and um, there could be a lot more. Lately, these international journalists were being banned or being um, taken away, or even one of the um, reporters from BBC was chased all the way down to Taiwan, and he escaped because he was fearful about his life. But he just went to Taiwan. Of course, this has made a big deal on BBC News and etc. But all I want to say is, China right now is using this fear-driven factor try to silence people. And now, the people not just domestically, but internationally. Because the world is watching where China is going. And the world is watching this war between China and America. Remember, America has this, sometimes I call it arrogance. You know, arrogance pride or foolish pride. But ultimately, I believe not all of them, but some only limited or selective news outlet are still reporting the facts and news today. But Chinese media and Chinese media outlets are doing the opposite. Is we are overlooking the facts, we're overlooking the truth, only focusing on pleasing the government. Because when the government is happy, you're going to get the grand, you're going to get the land, and you are going to get mountains of opportunities to build presence. So that's why I would say, even though the hashtag Wuhan virus or hashtag, you know, um, Chinese virus might sound rather derogatory towards China. But the last thing I want to say is what is true and must be true and must stay true. So that's the first one. And the second one is social media what is the purpose of social media initially to entertain us right as twitter as facebook something that we realize is fascinating is fun try to really how can i say build presence but today the purpose of social media has been political uh, had been politicized so much and also, of course, social media today in China are being used as a political weapon to attack opponents. Gabby, I don't know how many times you watch the uh, um, what do you call the um, the press conference from different um, secretary of you know uh, uh, media outlets from different countries, but I pay attention to some of them. But again. It's not about what they know. It's not about what they want to share. It's all about how can I weaponize it to attack others. 
and I'm sure China and WHO is, are doing the same thing. Thank you for the honest perspective on things. I bet I bet for some listeners it might be scary, especially if they are international, because they see that China is becoming more powerful day by day, and they might even notice that from how their own government treats them or how the businesses treat them. But I suppose that's conversation for the next time. Thank you very much for your time and interesting answers. So thank you for the listeners as well for tuning in today. And I hope you learned something new. Have a nice day. Bye bye.